you said 30 feet. I was like, that doesn't seem deep at all. And this is an F5. Like, <laughs> they could still easily die. Hey, this is David. And this is Alon, and welcome to I Finally Watched, where we talk about movies that at least one of us has never seen before. And today, I Finally Watched Twister. So, Twister is a Helen Hunt, Bill Paxton movie that came out in 1996. Um, came out right after Jurassic Park. You know, it's executive produced by Steven Spielberg, so it's kind of has a lot of the same feel as, as that movie and, and obviously other Spielberg movies. I remember seeing this, you know, I was just a kid, uh, but seeing this in theaters and really being, <laughs> I don't mean to make the bad pun blown away, but just really loved this movie. And I don't know that I was ever scared by it, um, but I definitely, it was a very, uh, you know, it's a very intense movie, uh, dealing obviously with a lot of tornadoes. So I really liked it as a kid. And it's one that's always stuck with me. Um, that I've seen several times since then. Upon rewatching it, I remembered most of it, but the back half is not something that I remembered at all, except for the ending. Um, but still really enjoyed it watching again. Alon, what did you think with your first watch of Twister? Well, you know, I, I came into this kind of completely blind. <laughs> I, I couldn't help but you know, ride the, the twister ride at universal, um, growing up. So I, uh, I knew it was about tornadoes, but, but I, I was blown away pun intended. How Don't do that. I was surprised how well the graphics held up. And I think part of that was just kind of like, it it wasn't, I guess, like how you see disaster movies today, like Independence Day or 2012. A lot of, lot of disaster movies uh, since Twister, and I feel like the focus of those films is the destruction, and I guess the deaths that come with said destruction and i like how for what this film is the restraint that they had on keeping the deaths to the minimum um, and focused on kind of the storytelling aspects and the interesting characters and what they're going through and kind of having the the twister and the tornadoes uh in the background not chewing up the scenery. I just kind of, it, it made me miss this kind of movie, this kind of storytelling um, that I just, I don't think you, you find a lot of today. Yeah, when the movie started uh, last night, you know, it, it opens with, uh, in the past, with Helen Hunt as a child. And after that scene, there's kind of the CGI view of a satellite traveling around Earth. And it really doesn't hold up. And I said to my wife, I was like, oh, man, that was, that's bad. And I really hope the rest of it, you know, doesn't look that bad. Um, but after that, the, the, the twisters were still amazing 24 years later. Um, I, I, you know, obviously it is CGI, but it looked great to me. And, and I do agree that they did focus 
really well on the relationships. You know, very quickly in the movie, they kind of set everything up um, with Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton about how they're going through a divorce and Bill Paxton's trying to move on with his new fiance. Um, and they really very quickly get you to care about all of these characters. Um, and, and what I noticed too is, is all of these faces that I not necessarily knew the names of, although, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, and Carrie Ells, but these other people who I've seen so many times, uh, but I don't know their name, but I, I, you know, I know who they are and it, and it kind of helped for, you know, helped me to care about them even more. Did you, uh, did you notice, what's his name, Dewey Crow? from justified in there so i actually i would have noticed it anyway but i when i was when i was re-watching justified a few months back i kind of looked him up and saw that he was in this i was like oh wow i do not remember that at all uh, so yeah i did recognize him um yeah. alan ruck from spin city and ferris bueller's day off yep um and then even the guy that's driving around carrie ells um i don't know the, i think the guy's name is zach grenier I think I'm looking it up right now, but I've seen him in so much that, you know, I recognized him. And then um, I don't know what this, even this other guy's from, but the, the curly haired dude that was part of the crew chasing, uh, chasing tornadoes. So there's just so many people that I recognized in this movie. Yeah, no, same. I, I had pretty much the exact same reaction to everyone you, you just mentioned. Um, and it was kind of like, in my head, I was kind of um, imagining who would play who if Twister was shot today. You, you know what I mean? Like, kind of like, I guess today everyone is so, like, Helen Hunt is not a bad-looking woman. She's, she's a good-looking woman. Bill Paxton is not a bad-looking guy. He's a, he's a good-looking guy. But they're not like... I guess what, what you would like generally think of like the hunks and hotties of Hollywood, you know? Um, I mean, Helen, Helen Hunt was huge back then. So was Bill Paxton. So, I mean, those aren't exactly, you know, those are two kind of big time actors. actors no, no, no. But... They're, they're big time actors. I'm just thinking as of today, like I think Hollywood likes to put really like extremely good looking people in front of the camera like model-esque right and i just I, you know i'm just saying they're not bad looking people i'm just saying bill paxton and holly hunt is is just not like model helps holly hunt yeah helen hunt is just not very like model-esque and i was thinking, I just think yeah i was ahead. thinking sorry just to interrupt you a uh you could just have a passengers reunion with jennifer lawrence and chris pratt Mm-hmm. Exactly. Who I was thinking, or you could have a Jurassic Park reunion. With Chris Pratt and what, Bryce Dallas Howard? Yep. Yeah. I think it I think it would work. And then I was also thinking who would replace Philip Seymour Hoffman? And I was thinking of uh TJ Miller. Is TJ Miller still canceled though? Oh, is TJ Miller canceled? Oh yeah, he Pretty sure. Yeah, well, yeah. We'll cut that out. What no, I can <laughs> say it. I can <laughs> shut up. Um, we'll have to check Twitter to see if T.J. Miller is still canceled. Yeah, and, and that just brings me to Philip Seymour Hoffman stealing the movie once again with everything he's in. You know, as, 
I just recently watched um, Paul Thomas Anderson's first movie, Heart Eight, which I was talking with you about. But I didn't. Let, I didn't tell you that Philip Seymour Hoffman is in that movie. And <laughs> like, he's in a super small role, where I think the name of the role is just um, like craps player or young craps player. Okay. Um, but he does so much with that small part. And it's the same thing with uh, Twister. This is like a nothing part that he takes and just makes iconic. I, not even having seen this movie in, in forever, but obviously seeing Philip Seymour Hoffman in things throughout the years, remembered him being in this movie and being just so amazingly funny and kind of stealing every scene he was in. It was funny, too, because he's in Heart Eight and Twister in the exact same year. Um, and he's in both playing kind of this cocky asshole character, which he's also doing in um, The Talented Mr. Ripley. He, his range is, is very, uh, it's very wide, but it, it's so interesting to me. Well, and then, yeah, Almost Famous, too. He's in, I think, a very short amount of time in that movie, but just great and that's kind of sort of towards the middle of his career yeah so the the characters i felt like were really just well uh written um to the point where like you said you you feel for all of them even the the tiny side characters now she wasn't uh, a tiny side character but i absolutely loved the character of um melissa yeah i really uh i really liked her character I think the the film does a good job of when I watched it, I didn't really pick sides on who I thought Bill Paxton should choose. And honestly, they do a good job of not even making that the focus. Mm-hmm. The uh, the relationship uh, between uh, Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton is very kind of, you see it organically. There's no like, it doesn't seem very forced to like them getting back together. It just seems... It honestly seems like he's drawn more to the to the chasing tornadoes and the, um, you know, getting the uh, the Dorothy uh, system to work. And so th- I think they do a good job of not creating Melissa as this villain who it's so obvious that he shouldn't be with. Uh, instead, it's just you know life worked out to where he decided to get back with. Uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen this 24 year old movie that he decides to get back with helen hunt um and i think they just showed it in a very natural way you know these two people who have this history together kind of being put in this very dangerous chaotic 24-hour situation um and so that that all just felt really kind of accurate uh and and natural yeah i mean I keep calling back to uh, a better time where movies were good. And I think that's one of the, one of the things that, you know, again, you don't see anymore is the, the love triangle, you know, the, the third person who, who, you know, they're not going to end up with, you know, Um, I feel like they're, they're always villainized and, this movie and a bunch of other older movies kind of shows that they don't have to be, you know, just because 
this person doesn't belong with this person doesn't make them a bad guy. And like you said, that's not really the focus. And it's just this, you know, the twisters aren't really the focus. It's just this natural building relationship between Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton. And, um, and yeah, I, I think that's great. And yeah, the, the CGI for the twisters were, were good and they held up for the most part, but they could have been even worse. And because of the way, you know, my first time watching this, because of the way everything was written out, I could stand to, to sit through a two hour movie with even crappier CGI and still be totally as much into it just because the story was that good. I do want to correct one thing. Um, Dewey Crow was not in this movie. Uh, Dickie Bennett was. Dickie Bennett. That's who I, yes. And honestly, how much I love Justified, it upsets me that I didn't correct this earlier. Um, I apologize to all the fans out there. To, to all of our fans or all of Justified fans? Moving on. One thing I really liked also about the movie is and this is like it's so it's so much a part of 80s movies spielberg movies 90s movies the the great way they mix the action with just the the slight comedic moments Mm -hmm. um the, the the what's funny is the the moment that is the most iconic to me out of this movie isn't any of well it is it involves the tornadoes but it's the cow uh, when they're driving, trying to chase one of the tornadoes and they stop on the bridge and yep. Uh, yep. Helen Hunt says cow. And then she says another cow. And Bill's like, no, I, I think that's the same one. Like that movie, <laughs> that moment has stuck with me for decades uh, just because of how funny it was. Yeah, it's it's surprising how like, I mean, that's not a little moment. That's like a, a super iconic moment. But I found myself kind of quoting throughout the day today. Um like little uh, parts of the movie. Like, okay, so when Carrie Ells went, um, they were like chasing them down in their like big black vans, right? Because they're kind of a more professional, I guess they work with the with the weather station. I was kind of confused by that. Uh, they just sold out to some big corporate backers is all we know. Okay, okay. So they're chasing them down in their big black vans and uh, they take like a, a left and the driver is like, do you want me to go left? And Carrie goes, do it. <laughs> it's just the, the line delivery. I just use that like all day as like, Oh, you know, as my girlfriend's like, Oh, do you want me to put this in the fridge? And I'm like, do it. I just, I don't know. It was just so, so the delivery was so funny to me. I, and it, it just, uh, little moments like that a lot of them also came from philip seymour hoffman and uh yeah it's just kind of stuck with me they also did the uh the thing where uh there's two examples of it one was when bill paxton was like when the first truck gets ruined and uh you can kind of see helen hunt wants to to use his truck and he's just like no not gonna happen Mm -hmm. no way cut uh oh they're using his truck and then uh, everyone's like, oh, we're hungry. And Helen Hunt's like, we're not going to my aunt's house. It's not happening. No. 
cut, they're at the aunt's house. Like both of those times were, yeah. I thought, really well done. And it, it was kind of funny to me that they went back to the well <laughs> for the exact same joke, though. Yeah, and you know, you see that joke a lot, a lot, a lot in movies um, to to a point where I think we now we call it a cliche. Back then, it, it has probably been used before, but it was a bit newer. Um, and another but thing, it's, but it's also still. I mean, that joke is is that type of joke is so classical that it's just always, if done right, going to be funny. If done right is the is definitely the key words in in there. Um, another thing I really like to show character development is he really cared for that truck. Um, <laughs> I mean, not enough to put any more insurance on it than just liability, but you could tell he really liked the truck. And at the end, without like a second thought, he was willing to sacrifice the truck, like no, no problem. And I thought that was a really great kind of build to who he was to who he became at the end of that movie. Well, it was also, yeah, because it's the arc of him not only partly wanting to do it for, for I don't know, we, we always struggle using like character names versus real actor names, but part of it wanting to do it for Helen Hunt. But then the other part of it is him getting sucked back into this life that, you know, we never really get a backstory of why he left. I mean, you can imagine that it wasn't, you know, he, he argues with Helen Hunt throughout the movie about how she's, she's too invested in this. She's not really, she doesn't think rationally about it. She's at certain points, like running around trying to pick up these small pieces, you know, components to the, uh, to the Dorothy thing that they're using um, as a hurricane's like bearing down on them. And so you can kind of, I guess, surmise from that, that he was, he left her, be, you know, in part because of, you know, her, fanaticism with this and but throughout the movie you you see him kind of getting sucked back in and to the point towards the end where yeah he's willing to sacrifice the truck and um he's just all in to try and get this you know to accomplish their mission of getting this dorothy sucked up by the tornado and being able to help people avoid tornadoes i thought the the plot device of (laughs) trying to like early detect tornadoes was was pretty interesting especially when you know in that last in that last scene where they're dealing with an f5 there's there's like no one around besides them with this f5 so it's Mm -hmm. like how do they have so much warning like as they're driving towards it like you see these trucks driving the opposite way to escape and i'm like well it seems like they had enough time to get out of here so yeah i mean I guess you can just like think of it like, oh, maybe people who were closer to it weren't so lucky and those people driving away were like like farther away from it so they had time um, for the news to reach them. But yeah, and then it kind of made me also wonder like how, how much of this is science fiction? Like those little drones, do we actually have those? Like, is that a thing? Can we identify tornadoes now? Since like, we're in the year 2020 or has nothing changed and twister is a lie. You know, I, I, I don't know anything about meteorology or um, I, t- tornadoes. So it, it beats me. I mean, I was still into the movie despite that. I, I think one thing that I didn't notice as a kid, um, 
but it was made me laugh like some unintentional comedy was when the Dorothy finally works, all these little pieces are floating around the tornado and the data starts rolling in mm-hmm. and it's just hundreds and thousands <laughs> of five digit numbers. And it was like, that is just meaningless bullshit on the computer. Like, yeah. please don't look too closely at this because it, just it's nothing yeah i I was like what is the data like (laughs) zip codes i don't get it okay i mean maybe it's something that's far beyond our comprehension but that made me laugh uh definitely um i i want to talk about the scene because it's such a great it's not really like one scene um but the um what is it the setting i guess of the drive-in movie theater (laughs) I I feel like I could write like a, a dissertation on like in my film degree on this one setting of the drive-in in Twister because there's so much uh, that happens. And um, first of all, I want to just kind of lay out the, uh, the feel of the scene. Um, they just got done like chasing down how many has it been at this point two or three twisters this is probably i think so the first one is the one where they hide under the little bridge and then the second one is the two twisters and then i think this is the third right and um they're at this drive-in kind of like taking a break i guess and the shining is playing on the background and it starts out where it's like, you know, the twins at the end of the hallway and uh, every, you know, cuts to everyone's reaction of, of the shining, which to be alive during like the first showing of a Kubrick film, it, I would love to do that. I would love to like kind of be in that moment. And as the scene progresses, the, uh, Bill Paxton and his fiance, they break up which she's perfectly fine with. She's like almost happy to do it, uh, which I think is great. And then the tornado comes and the whole drive-in gets wiped out and they have to like jump into this like bunker thing. And then as soon as the tornado starts like taking the the drive-in screen away, it's Jack Nicholson breaking down the door with the axe, you know, that iconic scene. And I thought the timing of everything, it was just so uh, perfect with that. It's not foreshadowing, but just kind of like uh, hammering in the how menacing these like tornadoes can be. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's also beautifully shot. The, uh, the tornado behind the screen as you're seeing the shining playing and as it's coming through, it tearing it apart. Um, I did kind of laugh when, <laughs> when Helen Hunt and then Bill Paxton does this a couple times, just like sense that something's amiss. <laughs> like they stick their, they lick their finger and put it in the air and like know a tornado's about to show up. Or um, like, like they know uh, when the tornado is about to like harshly change course. You see the way it's dipping. Oh, that's that's turning left. We got to we got to turn. Yeah, no, that that part makes me laugh. But that that scene is great. Um, it's one of the more action packed uh, 
scenes involving the tornado besides obviously the the end uh the final tornado mm-hmm. uh the big f5 but what i also like too is after the tornado passes and you think everything's fine you then find out that the tornado almost as if it has a van vendetta against helen hunt has turned towards uh wakita i believe and is going to uh hit her aunt's house yeah um and which then turns into a, a rescue mission. Um, so that whole that whole part was uh, really great. Well, what I found so interesting about this film is that it sets up certain moments where you think a character is going to die, and not just die, but like brutally die. Um, and the first part of that is in the drive-in theater, at least when I noticed it um, was when they were like down in that bunker and everything was flying around and some like hubcaps started like whooshing through the air, like, like a guilt, like a flying guillotine and it hit this guy in the head. And I feel like any movie, like final destination movie now, it's just would like just chop that guy's head in half, you know? And, yeah, and then you then you see a skull open up and his brain just sitting there and everyone freaking out. Exactly, exactly. And in this, it just kind of like grazed the top of his head and he was fine. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that has to do too with like the technology, right? Um, it's just, it's a lot easier to kind of show disgusting things like that now than it was back then. And so what's great about older suspenseful and maybe even horror movies is the the less is more approach to mm-hmm. um, making things scary or intense. Mm-hmm. And you know, you said that technology wasn't quite there to show all the gore and stuff, but also I think they were keeping in mind of the rating. You know, how much gore, how much blood could they actually show and still keep it PG thirteen? Yeah, I think that's that's common in a lot of Spielberg movies. I think outside of Schindler's List, I don't know many of his that are rated R. Um, I didn't do the research to back up the claim. So there we no, go. I, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I, I believe it was a Spielberg movie or maybe not directed by him, but produced that. Yeah, it was, it was Amblin Entertainment. That was like the first thing I noticed when the movie opened up. Yeah. And, and that kind of changed the way we saw PG, PG 13 and R movies and so, you know, you can, you can get away with a lot of stuff, especially being that early in that kind of, I guess, trend, trend setting. Now, given that this is a movie from the 90s, we always have these sort of like hokey either plot points or certain like situations. And there, there were still a few of those in this movie. Um, starting off with the first scene, why is Helen Hunt's father having to hold the door when as soon as the door gets taken off and he's taken away, they're just fine sitting in the back of the cellar. Exactly what I thought. Yep. I mean, like now you could say that, well, he didn't know it was going to work out that way. And you know, he did die heroically, but uh, when it happened, I was like, why didn't you just like hang out in the back? Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it works that way. Even if you see the first like panel of the door being like ripped off the hinges, it's like, yeah, you, holding that door closed ain't gonna do shit you know right and then uh i think this is the fourth hurricane or hurricane fourth tornado that they're dealing with um when they're on the road and they're uh the 
third or the second Dorothy gets knocked over and Helen Hunt starts like grabbing all the parts and Bill Paxton's like, what are you doing? You're like, you're going to get us killed. And they look up and the tornado is like bearing down the road. And then they just sit there and have like a four minute heart to heart about how she needs to be more logical and she needs to be worried about other things besides the fact that her father died. And she's like, well, like what? And he says, me, which also like, how does the radio pick that up? Because they're really far away from the car. I guess she had it attached to her. But where did the tornado go? Did it just decide, you know what? These two need to talk. I'm going to take a back seat. Um, And you guys work out your issues because I really want to see you two get together. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, like you said, you you see a lot of this in in early, um, not early films, but like, you know, earlier film making and but I feel like you see this kind of stupidity everywhere in, in filmmaking at any point at any time you know there's always these like you just kind of get, have to believe a, a little bit outside reality for for anything to completely be enjoyable and the the other thing too is and they didn't really do this much there was one point but when you have movies with these like these ensemble movies with a bunch of characters kind of working together and they're like on radios and so they can communicate with each other and they're like in the heat of the moment, the dialogue is usually nonsense. And so like in the beginning, I think when they're chasing the first hurricane or it was either the first or the second, Helen Hunt like asks a question of like, where's it going? And each person in the crew decides they need to answer one after the other. And it was just complete nonsense. And I like made a comment to my wife about it. And she was like, yeah, and they didn't even answer her question. I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. But th- <laughs> that was kind of the only point that happened. Every other time, it, it sort of made sense. And then you had Philip Seymour Hoffman kind of just add in something funny. You know, I, I think it's one of those um, movies that we don't really have to talk about the ending. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I want to talk about the ending, but we don't have to exactly give away how it ends. I, I feel like if you're following along this far, you, you kind of guess, but when the, uh, the F five comes down and it's kind of this race between, uh, Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt and, uh, Carrie L's character, there's this urgency to have like their device into the, uh, the tornado to get the accurate reading. And, you know, they kind of like figure out like a, a technical issue along the way. So they're trying to like be helpful because it kind of comes down to, hey, you know, it'd be great to have our system to be the one that that works and to be this like groundbreaking thing. But even if it's not our system, if anyone's system was able to do this, this would save so many lives. So they kind of put themselves aside and try to help their rivals into achieving the the correct um readings and they ignore them and it gets them killed and i think one of the i guess most con- not confusing but intricate ways someone has been killed in this film yeah i did not remember carrie l's dying in this movie um <laughs> And well, so he kind of he kind of does it off screen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, his driver uh, gets impaled, um, which seems unnecessary, and then he gets sucked up in a tornado, which 
seems like a cool way to go, I guess. Um, <laughs> but what I also found amazing about that is there's maybe three seconds of like, oh man, I can't believe he died. Well, let's move it along. Let's get let's get Dorothy up in the air because we still gotta. <laughs> Well, I like, mean, I know, I know he's a bad guy, but I mean, you just saw someone die. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they were genuinely upset. It felt like, like they were upset. Like, like, damn it, why didn't he listen to us? We could have, he could have been fine. Like, ah, shit, you know that that kind of anger. Uh, but yeah, you're right. And then they were like, okay, well, time to move on. And it's really just used as a plot device to show the growth of. Um, Joe and Bill finally using their character names in the podcast um, because you know Bill Paxton. Oh, that's funny, Bill Paxton, Bill Arden. You just put that um, together, two and two, baby. All but right. it's it's really funny that he he really wants to win and he's really pissed at Cariel's character, um, and so his develop part of his development is in the end like giving him advice on how to uh to make his system work um and helen hunt trying to save cariel's life um that's that 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 scene is almost just used as a as a plot point for their growth uh throughout the movie yeah yeah no i completely agree and then that's even hammered in of his own character arc with shortly after that sacrificing the truck and then they're running away from the F5, which I don't know if you can actually run away from a, her, a, a twister, but that's very interesting to do. Um, and then he's like, these pipes go 30 feet underground. I'm like, I guess that's common knowledge if you live out in Oklahoma, whatever, moving on. And then they, at the very last second, you know, they're about to kiss and then they get interrupted by uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and the gang. And then they finally kiss at the last second. And I was like, good, good for you. Because I feel like a lot of movies would have snuck in this kiss a lot earlier. And I felt like the payoff of this was very well timed. So when I remember this movie, I remembered the pipe scene. I remembered Bill Paxton explaining that these pipes were very deep and so that they would probably hold them. But when I rewatched it last night and he said 30 feet, I was like, that doesn't seem deep at all. And this is an F5. Like, <laughs> they could still easily die. Um, you're talking like, you're talking like, oh, this is, this is an F5, man. I just think you, well, like also, you know I, anything about Twister. What I also think really sets up this ending too, and it's my favorite scene in the movie, is the scene at Helen Hunt's aunt's house where they're all eating at the table and they're explaining the categories of her of uh, tornadoes to Melissa, and then there, she, you know, she asks if anyone has seen an F five, and then they all get very somber and explain that, uh, you know, and that sort of ties in the beginning because you can obviously figure out um, that that's Helen Hunt as a child, but if if you didn't, that sort of ties it together, and that once they start talking about it, and I guess you could have figured this out already you're going to see an F5 and that's how this movie's going to end. Yeah, pretty um, much. I mean, pretty much, but also, I mean, you know, her mom called her Joe in the beginning when she was a little girl. And then the, like, I think one of the first words you hear after that scene is someone calling her Joe um, later on. I, I think you connect it right away. Yeah, maybe. 
Okay. Um, well, all I want to say is I think it wrapped up really nicely with like, you know, she, she always thought that these twisters had a vendetta against her or people in general. And to kind of show that it missed the house of this family that like crawls out of the bunker with like the dad, the mom and the kids. Um, I, it, it just tied up real nice. And uh, I really, really enjoyed this film. The, the CGI, I think, holds up so well. Um, it's such an entertaining movie that you can watch it whenever and it's still great. So, yeah, I, lo- I love this movie. Well, thanks for listening to a new episode of I Finally Watched, where I finally watched Twister. This is David. And this is Alon. Bye.